8: Scalpel. Scalpel. Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but Take 5 is so fast I didn't have time. But sir, you can't eat during surgery. Eh, one bite won't hurt. Mm. Whoops. Uh, Napkin.
9: Napkin!
6: At Take 5, your oil change is faster than you think. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change.
2: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia.
10: Vino, are you pumped for another football weekend? Let's do this thing live at Calhoun's on the River. How do you feel, Vino?
2: I feel good, Tony.
10: I feel blessed to be here. Do you feel a big dub coming on tomorrow? Yes or no? I need to know. Uh, yes. Yes. Do you, do you feel like Tony Balls is finna join us? Uh, I think Tony Balls will be here. He said he was. Has he ever let you down? Never. He has let me down a time or two. Oh, he has? Yeah. But we're live today, and we're trying something different on Twitter Spaces. I've got this thing over here uh, so people can hear what we're doing. Really hear what we're doing. Beano, uh, we're live out here on the deck. It's an absolutely outstanding day. And here's the thing I know, Star is that there are people around the country right now doing what we do. But Nobody. Nobody is doing a show from the college sports restaurant in America's college sports city. Now I don't make too many claims on here. I try not to. Okay, had a guy accuse me of being sensationalist the other day. Ah, oh. pissed me off. Because <clears throat> you and I both know being honest is not my nature. No,
7: absolutely not. Not a
10: showman at all. No. Nothing sensational. No. Really, there's nothing sensational about me. I'm pretty mid. But from, I, I, Here you, you go, Bina.
7: You did have me airlifted out of a
10: uh, softball complex parking lot. Several times. Yes. So where did that happen before we – because Hugie's going to join us here momentarily. And I just want to say for the record, when you play – Kicking scrimmages in Nealon Stadium at 5 o'clock at night. This is what we do on the eve of the game. We tell stories about Beano getting airlifted out of a softball game. So go ahead, Beano. I did not get airlifted. I got hit in the head with a line
7: drive. Yes. Uh, Where were you? I was in Dalton, Georgia. And you got airlifted out
10: of there and you coded, right? No, no, no. Did you code?
7: No, I did not. They took me out of there in a golf cart. You think I'm being sensational and saying you coded? Uh, yes, just a tad. May- maybe
10: embellish just a All little right, bit. We have a mystery guest just uh, come up on us here, and I'm proud to have him. But I, I gotta say, mystery mystery guest, because um, mystery guest, uh, this won't. I read be a mystery very long. Well, I read my thing yesterday for the mystery guest. Uh, the uh, rather curt, and he's never gotten a rude email though. Mystery guest hasn't. <laughs> mystery guest, do you believe? Bino believes that the guy that called me sensational, Bino thinks I sensationalize things, uh, Mystery Guest.
9: Uh, No, you don't sensationalize things at all. Thank you. You you also uh, have no gimmicks in your show. No gimmicks. It's all pretty straightforward. Thank you. uh, Very low-key, in fact. Very low-key. almost too (laughs)
10: low-key. Mystery Guest is the clone. (laughs) So, So... So so as soon as mystery guest comes the sun comes out and you bet your bottom dollar there will be sun but when you play kicking scrimmages as these one double A games john when they do this new tv whatever they're doing this new tv deal and all this stuff surely we're going to do away with these games right surely that's got to happen right you would think so, but I'm I'm not sure. It's it's so
9: interwoven in the fabric of college football, particularly in the SEC. I mean, we have this huge build up to college football season starting. Yeah. And then we have that first week weekend of games. Right. And you had I think three SEC teams right. playing meaningful games and they all lost. I, it's just it's such a letdown in a way. I mean, you're geared right. up for this thing, and then you're watching the team. I mean, you look at teams, and you have to – you can't really look at – you know how coaches say don't look at the scoreboard? Yeah. Well, you can't look at the scoreboard either, and you can't look at the stats the, the, because they don't really tell you how your te-
10: how good your team is or how bad it Who'd is. Who did the NFL put on last night? The Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Okay.
9: <laughs> College football –
10: they would they would have put if it was college ball they would have put the Arizona Cardinals on last night against the uh, XFL champion in like a uh, in like an exhibition game week zero I mean who does that you know uh, John's right yeah Tony these are
7: uh, these are just by weekends I mean it's uh, you, you've got you've got the excitement of the first home game yep that's not going away yep uh, fans get to come out and 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 uh, get get used to being here again and, yep. and congregating, and uh, that's always a good thing. We'll have a beautiful day. It'll be, it'll be college football, but, uh, yeah, it'll leave, it'll leave you wanting.
10: And I love it. There's a ton of people already here at Calhoun's on the River. If you want to come out and see us, come eat some lunch, talk some sports, we'll celebrate the Vols today because, truly, there's a lot to celebrate. You know, John let come out of his mouth yesterday. When you start naming the top four teams in the league, right now you got to put Tennessee there. They're an elite team. I don't know how they've done that in two years. I don't pretend to know how they've done that. I guess it's the power of coaching, scheme, development, all those things. This wasn't supposed to happen this quickly. Uh, Tennessee is for real. Um, And a sneaky good card this weekend in college football being a sneaky good card. Yes,
7: absolutely. It's it's at least a B-plus weekend. Um, Yeah. you're
9: You're grading on the curve, though. It's compared... Well, to that's la- true.
10: You're compared to last that, week. That's it's true. a
9: good weekend.
10: Well, compared to week zero and last weekend, but Vino, what particularly this weekend, what are a couple games that you're looking forward to this weekend? Like, I think Kansas and Illinois is kind of an interesting game tonight. I'll look at that tonight.
7: Yeah. Uh, well, a- absolute, uh, obviously, uh, Alabama and Texas is maybe the best non-conference game of the entire season. Goes off tonight, I mean, oh. tomorrow night, and then... Uh, Notre Dame at NC State should be a really good game, and then after that, Tony, you go back to kind of what you had last week, which is uh, a which is Colorado being featured again, yep, and the Pac-12 being featured again, Because yep. if you look, they they've got they're they're not doing what the SEC teams are doing. Got Utah at Baylor, Oregon at Texas Tech, Colorado at Nebraska, Wisconsin at Washington State. Arizona's at Mississippi State, Auburn at Cal, Oklahoma State at Arizona
10: State. That's a whole slate of good games from one league. Colorado, the the, the Pac-10, you can already see it coming. They're going to do one of those deals like these teenagers do when they go to the beach and fall in love, and I love you, I love you. Right at the very end, when they burn their league to the ground, they're going to have an incredible season. You can just see it coming. Yeah, and you can... It's really.
9: It makes me kind of sad in a way because I've watched a lot of Pac-12 oh, I know. through the years. Yeah. It's. Uh, and that's one thing I will say for the Pac-12 through the years, it's scheduled very aggressively. Yeah. It really has. I mean, it's gone across the country and played. Uh, Cal came here, UCLA came here, and vice versa. But it's been an entertaining league, and I've watched a lot of it through the years. And it's really sad. That didn't have to happen. No. Just awful, awful leadership.
10: Bino, you know, give a shout-out, though, because the Govs are bringing some local guys in. You've got them listed here. I've, I've avoided talking about these folks, but we need to give some people some shout-outs because these kids, this is a great moment for them, and I hope nobody gets hurt tomorrow. That's yeah, my That's, that's, that's my it. precursor that's here. What, what you want tomorrow is... Uh, for no one to get hurt and and uh, for
7: a lot of kids to get to play tomorrow, uh, I was a little bit surprised that Austin P doesn't have more of a more of a, uh, a, a Tennessee flavor to their uh, to their starting lineup. They've only got three that start: They've left guard Harrison Wilkes from Germantown, uh, defensive tackle Javon Young from Nashville, and then a free safety Michael Rutland Jr. from Mount Juliet. Uh, they've got uh, seven others in there too deep. Uh, I, I, there's one Knoxville kid, Tony. I apologize. I don't know where he played. Uh, backup center Michael Treadwell is from Knoxville. And one of the great names of all time, a backup cornerback, Ellis Ellis Jr. Ellis Ellis Jr. from Hendersonville.
10: That's an incredible name, <laughs> Ellis Squad. Ellis Ellis. Ellis no. Ellis. Um, so there you go. Shout out to everybody there, uh, all the local kids and folks from in the state going to get a chance to play in Neyland Stadium tomorrow, and I'm sure their families are very proud. And um, We come back. Mike Hugan is going to join us. There are some knowns now. There are some knowns. Southeastern Conference tomorrow has a real credibility game. That If, if Texas – I, my winners and losers guy, and the winners and losers comes up after this game presented by Miller Lite. My winners and losers guys all, all think Texas is a live dog tomorrow. All think Texas. If Texas beats that Alabama team tomorrow, the Southeastern Conference has an early credibility problem. And you've got a national media out there that has SEC fatigue. I believe that. Yeah, they're here for it. They're (laughs) here for it, as we say. So we'll come back on the other side. So in a way, if you're one of these league uh, credibility people, you almost have to cheer for Alabama tomorrow. Bean, are you doing it?
7: You cheering for Alabama tomorrow? Uh, Tony, I won't know until the game starts. I won't know because I don't like – I mean, I've never pulled for Texas. Can't remember pulling for Texas,
10: but – Tomorrow may be the first. I'll have to wait until the game starts to just see who I'm pulling. You OGs from. hate Texas, don't you? Because you got Texas shoved down your throats as kids. John, is that what it was?
9: <laughs> no, actually, when I was in Louisiana, I always looked at Texas as a greater goal. I mean, everything was bigger and better in Texas. Yeah. So I kind of liked the Southwest Conference. I followed that. Uh, but, yeah, I think what happens, and we talked about this before, I think, but is fans they go into game and, and they say, Hey, I'm SEC credibility, gotta pull for Alabama. But then if the game starts You've got to, and you Texas believe it. and Texas starts thrashing He's Alabama, right. He's right. they're just gonna
10: get yeah. excited. Yes. Yeah, I it's believe going that's to what be gleeful.
9: Today. Oh this is That's tough. right.
10: Yeah. That's right. Tomorrow our Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction. We we will be watching we will be talking about the Vols. We'll be looking ahead to Florida, because those those two things, I promise are going to happen. And we're going to watch that Texas game, and if Texas gets out on them early, there will be a whole lot of celebrating and a whole lot of squawking and hawking. And from a Tennessee perspective, if Alabama comes out there and looks mortal tomorrow, looks human, Tennessee fans are all of a sudden going to take that game, kind of like that Florida game last week, and they're going to put that thing in the maybe To we can do that column, and that is kind of. I mean, you stop and think about that. There's a lot of things going on here, and that's what makes college football. When your team is all of a sudden relevant, the game becomes that much better. And I can't say enough for what's happened here in such a short period of time. It's mind boggling. But we're live today here at Calhoun's on the River. Come see us. Come eat some lunch. Come talk some sports. Steve Russell. We continue. Mike and joins right after this.
11: This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. t Willy, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee.
5: Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at AutomobileKeys.com. You can email us at C-O-D-Y at AutomobileKeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School Football.
1: Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers.
8: You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR playoffs weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at TalladegaSuperspeedway.com. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM
2: 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
10: in to be back with you. Ladies and germs, uh, Dale and his son just came up. I want to thank them. He was evoking the name Sonny six killer said that he uh, grew up in missouri ended up in washington and then from washington ended up here and they uh they 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 uh jam out with the program and we just took a photo with them and all that good stuff and it's a beautiful thing let's go ahead and some great quarterback names in the state of washington around that time washington state had samoa 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 Samoa, Ellis Ellis, and Sonny And Dale and Dale. And Sonny Sonny Six Killer. Let's go to the phones and we'll get as many people in here as humanly possible. Uh, Brian, text me on my uh, on my new line, but I know that Hughie's there. I don't even have to look. But I'm gonna text you right now and say this phone. I'll bet Hughie remembers Sonny Six Killer. Hughie, do you remember Sonny six-killer?
13: Yes, I think he wore the number six, too, for the Huskies.
10: He did. Six for six with Sonny six. Uh yeah, let here. Days where yeah. for
13: quarterbacks through a touchdown pass. Two touchdown passes in a game. It was like, oh, my God, that guy's what a phenomenal passer he is. So um, a different era. But, yeah, he was quite good for, for Washington. Um I don't, I don't know if he played in the NFL or not, but, yeah, I can remember.
0: He played
10: in the longest years. yard, and really that's what counts <laughs> more than anything. But, but, uh, Hughie, Sonny six-killer in that era of offense would have fit right in with what we saw from the Florida Gators the other night.
13: Yeah, they, they were not good. Um, we talked about that last week. They, they, their offensive line was atrocious. They play a rummy this week, McNeese State. Uh, McNeese State gave up 50 oh, points man. last week to Tarleton State, so presumably to who? Tarleton off. State. Tarleton State, the FCS program. Uh, uh, some, uh, uh, maybe it's in Tarleton, Texas. I'm not sure.
10: Are they charging uh, money it, for that game tomorrow? It McNeese is in State, Texas. George, are they McNeese State and Florida? They're charging money for that. Are they it's paying like, people to come? It's like Tennessee, Austin P. I mean, SEC
13: fans continue to put up with this. And and if if there were nine conference games, I don't think there would be, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there would be an FCS opponent if there were nine conference games. You you can find enough rummy opponents among the other FBS schools. But, um, you know, like last week, Ole Miss played Mercer. Um, It's it's getting, it's ridiculous. Um, Totally ridiculous.
7: No, the Gators caught a schedule break. They'll obviously catch McNeese on a down after that big game against Tarleton State. Hey, uh,
10: Hughie, Hughie, break us down scientifically. Usually we get you to grade the card as we set up the college football weekend. Bino gave the card a B-plus uh, for no, this I'd weekend. Say
13: it's a B. I don't it, think there's enough good games this week. There are some high-level ones. I think there's two really good ones, Alabama, Texas, and Texas A&M, Miami. But I don't think that the depth is there, it's hard to come up with 10 that are, that are. ooh, I want to watch that. Um, right now, you know, ooh, Wisconsin, Washington State would be the, uh, on the list, and I want to watch that, but I'm not sure anybody else does.
10: Let's do the viewer's guide, man. Walk us through it. Where so, do you want uh, to start?
13: Alabama-Texas, obviously, gigantic game, um, especially since Alabama apparently has two starting Uh, secondary players that are not at least 100% healthy. And Texas, if there's one thing Texas has, it's a really good receiving core, including a stud tight end, J. Talion Sanders. And wouldn't it be uh, an interesting talking point if Texas were to go to Tuscaloosa and and beat Alabama? Because after LSU's performance last week, um, it's, how good is the SEC if, if Texas beats Alabama? So I think that's a legit question, and they would flip the narrative also. Oh, Texas and Oklahoma—they're not ready, you know. You know they're not ready for the SEC. They don't, you know, the physicality and all that kind of stuff. Well, if Texas goes to Tuscaloosa and wins, and I think they have a legit chance, um, I, I think that narrative obviously changes. But again, uh, I'm not sold on Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, I, oh my God, he had five touchdowns in, the, in his in his first game. That was a fourteen to nothing game with four minutes left in the first half.
10: Again, but he's the SEC. Tennessee. But he was the SEC co-offensive player of the week because he woke up on Sunday morning and fogged up a mirror. And he plays quarterback for Alabama, so they they have there to was, recognize there was him.
13: Zero thought put into wh- are what a the opponent? That, that should be a or the, the the true measuring stick scoring five touchdowns against against Middle Tennessee. I don't care if it's your first start or thirtieth.
10: Who cares? You're breaking it down scientifically right now. The great Mike Hugan joining, uh, and you, you talked about that Texas game potentially with Alabama. Here's a question for you, just uh, just out of curiosity: Which of those two power leagues, that the SEC or the quote unquote Big Ten? Who has better quarterback play top to bottom right now, league-wise?
13: That's an interesting question. I'm not sure yet. Both both leagues are undergoing big-time transformations at quarterback. Um, The Pac-12 looks to be loaded with quarterbacks. Um, The ACC has a couple good ones. But I think the SEC... That, yeah, I'm not sure which one does. That's a that's a very interesting question. I mean, JJ McCarthy might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I'm not 100 percent sold on how good he is, so I, I'm not sure who the best quarterback is in the SEC. I thought it was John Daniels. He certainly did not play that way Monday. Though it, I mean, Sunday, though it did not help that his offensive line decided, or who needs to run block? So. Um, that, that hey, John, a
10: performance by LSU, I, I got the great John Adams here. John, who's got better quarterback play? That, that league or this league? What do you think?
9: It's too hard to determine, like Mike said right now. I mean, I didn't watch enough of the big. T- I would. Uh, McCarthy, yeah, he kind of looms large. Ohio State, I wasn't impressed by that. No. Uh, you know, but I look at the SEC, and I just don't know uh, how good these are these guys are, but the best quarterback in the SEC might be Garrett Nussmeyer, and he doesn't start.
13: Well, w- Wig- Wigman had a good game last week. Um, granted,
9: I really liked him uh, last opponent, week.
13: W- the opponent was New Mexico, and we'll find out more about Wigman and Texas A&M and Fisher and Patrino uh, on Saturday when they play Miami. Um, I-, I wonder about both Teams' offensive lines being able to hold up, but I I've, talk to people at A and M; they're like, "Wigman's the best quarterback here since Manziel," and you're like, "Wow!" Then you realize, wait, wait a second—that means all he, he's better than Kellen Mond. Big deal. So, um, or Trevor Knight, which is not really a big deal, obviously. Trevor so Knight. So we're going to find out a heck of a lot more about Wigman uh, tomorrow.
7: Well, you, you know both leagues are kind of in a transition at the quarterback position when the fact that Graham Mertz went from one conference to the other may sway the decision.
10: Boy, that's a great line, Vino, really. That's a great line. And hey, Mike. Mertz, I, Mertz was certainly not Florida's biggest problem last week. So,
13: No. Um, but that's the Ohio State situation was exceedingly interesting. McCord did not play well, and I'll be honest, since it was supposedly was such a close battle in camp, I was surprised Devin Brown didn't play more, because McCord early on especially, they're playing Indiana. McCord did not look very good. Um, yep. Drew Alar, the Penn State kid, looked good. The opponent was bad. Um, you know, Rutgers' quarterback, the, the Wimson kid who's from Kentucky, he actually did some nice things, but again, they were playing Northwestern. So... Um, that that that's the, the the two best leagues, unquestionably. You you do wonder about the quarterbacks in both leagues, frankly.
7: Hey, Mike. Uh, John told me that I was grading on the curve, giving it a big plus and the way that you love it, the fact that I graded it higher than you, obviously tells me John was correct. Well, I'm probably
10: just Hughie gave week zero an A, Bino. Don't apologize to him. Well, I, I mean, a. I, that he's was, a degenerate.
13: That was a caveat. The caveat was it's real football, and it, so it deserves an A. I, I'm a little bit disappointed that you know last season, looking back, weeks one and two were both they had they had some good matchups. There's just again, I think one of the ten best matchups this week is Cincy Pitt. Does anybody care? Well, Wisconsin-Washington State, does anybody care? Auburn at Cal, does anybody care? Illinois-Kansas tonight, I think, it's one of the ten best. I think there's a lot of interesting things in that game. But, again, I'm not sure anybody's going to, ooh, I can't go out to see my favorite band tonight because I'm going to watch Illinois-Kansas. I don't think that's being said anywhere.
10: What about Ole Miss and Tulane? I think that's that, an that's interesting another game.
13: I, and, uh, I, I'm, you know, again, Ole Miss, oh, my God, Jackson Dart looked awesome. They're playing Mercer, Mercer. So, um, and I'll be—I—I I, I think Michael Pratt, the Tulane quarterback, is better than Jackson Dart. So, um, Tulane will be a much tougher opponent. I still don't know how Tulane is going to replace Ty J. Spears, their leading running back from last year. Though I'll—I will say this: Tulane beat South Alabama last week. South Alabama would beat Mercer seventy-three to seven. So, uh, there's some intrigue in this game this week.
10: Hey, hey, John, you being from down there, two questions for you on Tulane. How did they get good? Because they're obviously pretty good. The second question is, why haven't they been good with all that talent in that state and just getting LSU spillovers, like one of the Florida schools all these years? Tulane, just the tradition there, it it hasn't cared that much about being
9: successful in football. Uh, That was obvious when it got out of the SEC, (laughs) Uh, but uh, facilities, and I don't know what the facilities are like now. Right. But they were never good. Uh, you are overwhelmed in New Orleans by LSU. I mean, a kid is more apt. If he's not going to LSU, he's going out, out of state. I mean, there's more chance of him, there, In the past, there was more chance of him going to Southern
10: California yeah. than going to Tulane. It but was, they keep their fair share home, and they have a pretty good program.
9: Yeah, and I don't really understand, because I haven't been down there, I don't yeah. really understand. New Orleans is a worse place to live now than it used to be. Yes. And I don't know really why somebody would ha- would want to go to school there and play football, but you can't argue with this team. Uh, USC knows it's got some guys that can play football. You better darn believe it. And look. I think uh, I think that is kind of an intriguing game. Used to be, and I don't know when this game was scheduled with yeah. that Ole Miss Tulane late, but I bet when it was scheduled, that was the, you checked that off in the win column for Ole Miss.
10: That's true, and that's, that's what happens with a lot of these games. Hey, uh, Hugie, I'll tell you an interesting under-the-radar game tomorrow that people won't pay attention to, but these guys are talking about a lot of the games tomorrow on the left coast are interesting, and a sneaky one is that USC-Stanford game, if you like offense— Stanford is now flying around with a new offensive philosophy. They look nothing like previous Stanford teams. And that game, the over, uh, my winners and losers guys were talking about this last night, the over is a pretty good bet in that game because those two teams, I mean, will do they even bring punters uh, to the game tomorrow night, Hughie? Yeah,
13: also one more thing about Tulane, the academics there, you can't get a a heck of a lot of kids in there. Um, That's true. And, you know, I talked about Michael Pratt. He's from Fort Lauderdale. So, I mean, he went to Tulane because he wasn't recruited by anybody in this state. But you, the USC-Stanford game, yeah, Stanford's new coach, Troy Taylor, um, loves to throw the ball. He rebuilt Sacramento State into a really good FCS program. They were actually the number one seed in the FCS playoffs last year. Um, and their starting quarterbacks. the kid from Atlanta, um, well, Buford. Um, but, yeah, they looked vastly different last week. It's almost as if Stanford now, the, the the coaching staff is like, you know, as good as the previous staff was at one time. It seemed like they forgot you could throw the ball 20 yards downfield. That's not an issue with Troy Taylor. And they still have a really good tight end, the Urasek kid. Emmett Smith's kid is the running back, EJ. Um, but, yeah, the Stanford defense is not good. Um, but yeah, I don't know how good the USC defense is either. But that will be that should be an extremely entertaining game, a ton of points. Yeah, that game to me it looks like it could be a 56 39, 56 42 kind of game. I think USC is going to win because I don't think Stanford has a prayer of stopping Caleb Williams. But there is going to be a lot of big plays and a lot of offense.
7: Mike, other than. Alabama, Texas, Ole Miss, Tulane, and uh, Notre Dame at NC State. The, the gem that I thought that I had unearthed, you've already poo-pooed a couple of these games, but I, I thought Colorado uh, stole the show last week oh, yeah. and the Pac-12's performance. I, I look at, at Colorado's matchup with Nebraska and the rest of the Pac-12 matchups, and at least wise, when other teams were out there kicking around cupcakes and and – Club and Baby Seals. You got Utah at Baylor. You got Oregon at Texas Tech. You got Colorado at Nebraska. You got Washington State hosting hosting Wisconsin. You got Arizona at Mississippi State. You got uh, uh, Cal hosting Auburn. And Arizona State hosting Oklahoma State. That's a pretty good week two slate for the Pac 12. Some
13: of those games, yeah. I think, you know, Washington State won last year in Madison, and that was sort of the start of the downfall of Paul Christ. Um, Colorado, good Lord, I don't think I, w- I was watching that game and my jaw was on the floor the whole time. I mean, you know, all those newcomers never had played a game together uh, before. It did not seem to matter. Um, TCU, every time, okay, they're in control. Oh my God, they just gave up another big play. I think Nebraska is vastly more physical than TCU. You know Nebraska struggled to score against Minnesota. I don't; they can't keep up. I don't think. Though I will, I do think they will try to play ball control to keep their defense off the field. Um, and you know, Colorado, you know, love or hate Deion Sanders. To me, he's like Notre Dame. There's not much gray area with that with that guy. Um, no. His offense was tremendous, though. It's really not his offense. It's Sean Lewis's offense. We talked about him the last couple of years. He was the coach at Kent State. His offenses at Kent State annually were some of the most productive in the country. He just you – know, no one wants to play at Kent State, so his defenses were rancid. But you know, I, I don't know how good Colorado's defense is this year, frankly, but I don't think it's going to matter this week
10: hey, is or it, next week. Hey, hey isn't Lewis Kirgi like a kissing cousin of um... – hypo offensively don't they don't they do similar things
13: some similar things but lewis he's interesting on the sideline because he's a he's a tall dude with a beard he does not look like a football coach um he looks like a guy who would teach motorcycle repair you know at a at a in high school that kind of thing he's he's a very personable guy um Never never talked to anybody or met anyone who has a bad thing to say about him. He's always very gracious to everybody. He loves to throw the ball. He loves to get guys in space. And the interesting thing, two of their starting receivers, not Travis Hunter, obviously, but the other two, Horn and Xavier Weaver, are both Orlando kids who transferred from USF. So if you, like Alex Golish, I'm sure Alex Golish last week was thinking, my God, I could have had those two kids here. Um, I actually saw Jimmy Horn play in high school three years in a row. He was quite good in high school, but also he he is a small, small guy, just super quick. But you know, Colorado, all the credit to to Dion and his uh, roster overhaul. Though I will say, some of the stuff that's been written has you know let's 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 revisit this after Game Seven. I uh, you know I saw somebody say, well you know that that, that, that Dion knew what he was doing. You know, this is the future plan for every new coach. Come on. let's Again, let's see what happens as the season plays out. But the Cal-Auburn uh, game, Auburn looked really good last week. Opponent was UMass. They blow. Cal went to North Texas and blew their doors in. North Texas to UMass is vastly – North Texas is much better. Cal's is another team that has revved up its offense, even though it's the same coach. Um, I don't think that highly of Auburn, um, but we that that's that's uh, the, I think it's the ten thirty Eastern game um, that's worth staying up for to watch. Um, Arizona State, I think Oklahoma State they struggled last week. I still think Oklahoma State beats them, um, but and the Washington State Wisconsin game that that is uh, no question that's an interesting game.
10: Hughie, you're my man on the way out. Any final thoughts for us? And much love to you. Uh, and may the one A game fall by the wayside as we get into the new yes. TV deal. Maybe I when we go the behind game, the I... paywall. Maybe when we go behind yeah, the paywall, <laughs> right, that will happen. Exactly.
13: That's, you know, eight people uh, buy to watch the game. Uh, one game we have not mentioned, Boise State, UCF. It's at Boise. Um, Bo- Washington. <laughs> Boise State last week was shell-shocked by Washington's passing game. Uh, UCF can throw the ball. Uh, John Rice Plumley, as a runner, is really good. As a passer, he's a really good runner. So uh, I think Boise State, their UCF's favored. I actually think Boise State could win that game. I'm um, not sold on UCF's offense at all. Um, that that will be interesting. I think, and I think Boise will be able to run on UCF, unlike they were. They they could not run effectively uh, against Washington.
11: You
10: happen to be the man. Much love to you. I hope you have a Doc Gooden, as we say, uh, in Long Island. And, uh, Hughie, it's always great, man. Enjoy the football weekend. Exactly. Thanks, man. It's absolutely outstanding. As we're live today at Calhoun's on the River, making it happen. On the other side, the man, the myth, the legend. I could be talking about John Adams or Bino, but I'm actually talking about Tony Vols who cometh Calhoun's on the river the college sports restaurant In America's college sports city There's no better place to experience The game before During or after On the all new covered Patio where we be right here On the Tennessee river the shadows of Picturesque Neyland stadium It is absolutely Outstanding And we continue with more on the other Side right after this
4: Spread the word Get the app at Tony Basilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
2: American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090.
3: Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer.
6: Imagine all the hits you love in one collection. Live it up with favorites like, I won, did you hear me? I won! Or the timeless treasure, I just won $5,000! And who can forget the all-time classic? Look who's going on vacation! Get your hands on the cash-loaded Hit Instant Games collection at your nearest Tennessee Lottery retailer. And let the good times roll. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly
1: make it a happy new year become the Powerball first millionaire of the year announced live on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest enter to win a VIP trip for two to New York that will include a three night stay at a luxurious Times Square hotel a chance at a million dollars and more enter any Powerball ticket at tnviprewards.com by October 31st from the Tennessee Lottery game changing fun please play responsibly
11: I've got our favorite grocer on the line, Mr. Miles Johnson. Miles, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. You've got some great deals. I'll tell you there's one that really piqued my interest at the uh, T-bone steak special. Yep, we got T Bone Steaks for four ninety nine a pound, eight pound bag potatoes, three ninety nine each, Lux Beans, five for five, and sun drop twelve packs, two for nine. Man, with the great weekend we got, the weather's gonna be absolutely gorgeous. You know, you can get yourself some charcoal there as well. And uh, go ahead and cook yourself up some steaks and potatoes on the grill. Man, and nothing like that so miles as always you guys are open seven days a week 7 a.m to 9 p.m you're located right there on west 7th street uh you'll have some great deals next week as well so you and the folks have a fantastic weekend and uh we'll talk to you next week all righty thank you thank you miles all right once again that's miles johnson from foodland go check them out they got some amazing amazing things on sale
7: this is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
10: TB back with you, along with TV. The great Tony Valls is in the house. We're live at Calhoun's on the river. Hey, A.T., how come they clap for you? They don't clap for me. They clap for you.
14: It was was for you, trust me. But anyone wearing orange, they'll clap for around here. Although Calhoun's is such a good place. Yep. And to prove it, they even let people with Georgia hats in uh, to
10: enjoy (laughs) their tasty food. Uh, So we're dragging the Georgia fan over here. Um, But we're going to deal with him in about five. He's going to get dealt with in about five weeks, and he knows it. That's how a radio guy read, talks. If you can uh, read body. If you were over at practice. Oh, I, well, if I was at practice or if I was in front of him, he's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> but I got you for protection right now. Yeah, but at practice, we're focusing
14: on the task at hand. And uh, There you go. It was a good vibe. I was able to kind of stumble into practice for a little bit. It's a good vibe over there. Uh, regardless of what players we have or what strategy or what our record is, yeah. the vibe in that building is has been awesome since Josh got here.
10: One of the things you told me about him before we even saw them play was you were kind of just really impressed with just the way the guy kind of treats people. Mm -hmm. Because a football coach doesn't have to make time at these SEC schools for anybody, right?
14: No. No, it can be get out of my way, don't touch that, it's footballs, you you can't come here, you can stand there. Um, And he doesn't have any ego to him. He's super laid back. And, and in recruiting, you're looking for a match, not necessarily the best baseball player, but a match yeah. for your program. And he is a perfect match, I think, for Tennessee, just because he has that welcoming trait. Um, he is kind of laid back, and uh, that, that, of course, applies to him as a person. On the field, he's about as detail-orientated as anybody, and that's how these receivers get open all the time.
10: The schemes are crazy, right? Yeah, he's
14: intelligent. And uh, I think as a college coach – you can control the game maybe more than in the nfl where you have to allow guys to have reads and things like that i may be right or wrong but that's the way i see things and he does a great job of controlling the pieces
10: that he has so you grew up like as a soccer guy with your pop and then around the whole soccer community um do you know what you're looking at when you watch football see to an extent um you know
14: Ray Hand is a former football player. I'll sit and watch some games up in his box, and uh, he can break things down at that line. Humble brag, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, Ray's a great dude. He takes good care of me, but he he also can break down what's going on at the line, and I really can't. Right. Um, So I'd say I'm a step up from the average fan because you can maybe speak on the coaching
10: perspective. Yes. But at the end of the day, I'm just a fan. You know, Ray Mears used to tell me one time, he used to say, and he would brag about this. He would say, I started, I, was, I, I discovered I couldn't play. I discovered I started as a manager when I was a young kid. I wanted to be around it. I took um, anything they would let me coach, I coached. And his belief is that somebody that can coach and reach people inevitably could learn enough about a sport and coach it. You buy that? To an
14: extent. And I also think anyone who's really good at just handling their business uh, could excel at anything. So, Pat Summit, if you gave her this football team for the rest of the season because Coach Hypel was going to go on sabbatical for some reason, I think we all agree she could coach that team. Maybe not as well as Josh because it's not her field. Uh, but, yeah, I think coaches can shift uh, different, different uh, roles or sports. And I also think people, you know, if you can run Calhouns, you can yeah. probably run a, a business of some
10: sort too. Well, the thing that blows me away about what you did, and what he did is you guys took somebody's players. I'm not blowing smoke at you, but you took somebody's players and won with them. And, and Tone, that's not, that is not an easy Because th- if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's like the musicians say to each other. If it was easy, everybody, everybody would be playing a guitar if it was that easy. So what is the secret sauce that you have that hypo has, that people that win right away with somebody else's players, how do you do that? I I don't know what the secret
14: sauce is, but I know two requirements. You've got to make up for lost time because those relationships are not there. There's nothing better than a kid you recruited at a young age, know the family, cultivated the relationship, been there in the good and bad and all those things. Yeah. And and there's a sense of trust and all those other good things. That doesn't exist when you first come in. If anything, there's a shield up from both sides. Like, hang on a second here. Uh, but we did inherit some great players. Shout-out to Andre Lipsius, who just made his great. His, his major league debut. It's great, man. And then the, the other thing that popped into my head that you have to have is you have to see in people uh, that there's something you can do with them. So Departed is not a great movie to bring up now, but it's a great movie. But Jack Nicholson says to Leo, you know, basically, what can I use you for? Like, you know, I'm trying to run a, an operation here. Even though it's mafioso, as us Italians know uh, something about, you know, what, how can I get a positive uh, outcome out of what you can bring to the table? And everybody can contribute. We're looking at the roster right now, and there's a depth chart, so certain guys are better players than others. It's just the way it works. But everybody on this roster can contribute to tomorrow's win well,
10: in some form or fashion. What I think is remarkable about their football team is there are several guys here that were on a, under a previous regime and they stayed. And you and I both know in this day and age, if that coach comes in and, it, and he's a guy that, and it rhymes with Rick, as we like to say on the air, if he behaves toward them in a certain way, they're going to leave. This guy's got like um, 14 COVID seniors or, or seniors that could have gone could have jumped out of here at the low point, but kept them here. And I think that's a real testament to the way these guys treat people. There was a coach here at one time, Jerry Glanville, used to live here, and he went over and saw a practice. And the coach at the time said to him, the coach at the time went in on the Tennessee fan base this week, by the way, but he said to him, what would you think of our practice today, coach? And Jerry Glanville looked at him and said, I got to tell you, he said, I coached 30 years in the NFL, 30 years. I never MF'd a guy one time. I heard you guys do that all over your football field today, and you got very little work done. But you put yourself over. Yeah. So I'm glad that, you know, you feel better about yourself. You guys put yourselves over, but you got very little work done. I, I do not hear anybody say uh, bad things. Even people that have transferred out don't say bad things about Josh Heupel and the way he treats people.
14: Well, there, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, and at the end of the day, most people judge you on wins and losses, but the people that are inside the locker room and the offices judge you on do, do they enjoy being around you every day, and yeah. uh, is there good memories being made, and when their time is done, how do they reflect back on things, and there can be winning teams out there where that reflection isn't a positive one. So, um, again, in the locker room, I think, the criteria isn 't just wins and losses for how things are going, what type of person you are, what type of teammate you are, but you know fans so so who went or not who went in
10: on the fans, but what was the complaint? The fans are enjoying the fact that at my new school i 'm five and twenty five and my own fan base is also contributing to the noise, but i don 't hear the noise now i don 't hear the noise, but i know <laughs> but i 'm on But I'm going to comment on the noise that I'm not hearing right now because I'm small-minded. But moving along, as Tony Vitello joins, you guys continue to do what you're doing. One other note. When you first got here and you said that line about, oh, you know, those guys are my teammates, I thought, that's the hokiest. That guy can't believe that. But that's exactly like talking to Evan Russell. He goes, man, he goes, this guy. Gets us to believe, and he proved it. Like, he's just in there with us, and I was like, this freaking guy. Anyway, so T, that's my way of saying kudos to you. Um, moving along, let's talk about what you're doing. You keep reimagining the off season. I thought it was a brilliant thing when you took your deal and took your team around the state like barnstormers a couple years ago, and people were trying to you guys are making it better. Talk to me about what you've come up with this new concept here.
14: Yeah, we we haven't gone to the Northeast uh, as much as we've traveled around and done some different things. So we're going to go to Greenville, and we're going to play a game up there against Virginia Tech. It'll be not just great competition, but it'll be a cool little SEC-ACC rivalry of a team that's very close to us in proximity. But most importantly, we'll get to go to some of those fans. Who take the time to travel to us, even if it's an hour, hour and a half? Yeah, uh, they're coming our way. Is that
10: at Milligan? Or is that or where are you where are you going there? Um,
14: it's the minor league ballpark up there in Greenville. Oh, it's, wow! It's a great facility. We'll be wow. able to host. I don't want to speak for them. Yeah. Um, I believe tickets are only ten bucks, so uh, you know, a bunch of people can come. I don't want to speak for them. I think we can squeeze about six thousand fans in wow. there. Wow! We've we've come to almost expect, which is a little greedy, expect a sellout or a full crowd. And I assume Virginia Tech will bring some people too. It'll be a unique environment for all these new faces we have on our team to compete in, and then later, uh, after we play UConn in football, November fifth, we'll play in Nashville at the Sounds Park, where we've been trying to play
10: forever. And how? Right. And how did it open up to you? How did you finally crack the nut?
14: Well, uh, once we kind of won some games, they finally started replying and saying, <laughs> saying, "You guys could come over." So the one thing people. Uh, that, that want us to go to Memphis need to realize you lose an hour coming back, and we're always looking out for these kids' recovery, their studies, setting ourselves up for SEC play. Um, so it is difficult to go over there and play in the spring. But in the fall, we'll go over the night before. We'll be able to do some things, whether it be for our guys to – NIL stuff or whatever it might be might spring yeah, up. Great, I don't know what the hell I can say when I can't, but uh, <laughs> we'll – We'll go over there and do some fun things in Nashville and and be around what will probably be a party. I mean, it's a party city, and where that ballpark is
10: situated, uh, we'll make it a fun, fun day for our kids. So those two dates uh, to keep in mind, and um, tomorrow for folks coming in, I, I say you guys continue to reimagine, and I'm not trying to blow smoke at you, but it is what it is. I've never heard of somebody doing – where did you come up with the concept for a home run derby tomorrow? Talk to me.
14: Yeah, I mean, the home run derby idea is just that you got a game that's midday. Uh, We normally are at night or earlier in the day, but the fans who get on campus early have a bit of a day to fill. Yeah. Um, We want them to learn who these new guys are we have on our campus and who some of the up-and-coming stars are, like Dryling you love, Tears, a kid named Reese Chapman who hit a little bit for us last year. We'll have a home run derby at 11.30 to noon, and we've also got a select group of little leaguers that are going to kind of be able to shag out on the field. Oh, um, so I love that. So that sparked a lot of it, getting some of those young kids. This community is about to skyrocket for baseball, as is the state. you got people coming from California, people moving to Chattanooga, Knoxville, and then when the Smokies Park is done in downtown, that is only going to help cultivate – the culture we have here for baseball that already begins with pitch and forge hosts a huge tournament cow ripping yeah, stuff. The Cal Ripping um, thing, yeah. So we want to make sure we're doing our part with that and there's a lot that goes into it, but the bottom line is it's a casual thirty minute hitting session slash home run derby where fans can come in without without a cost, maybe catch a home run, uh, meet some of our players and see some guys in action.
10: A T before you took the gig did you know the culture here baseball wise was what it was. Did you realize that? I didn't know the culture of the state in general
14: without the Vols involved. One thing I knew from being to a couple football games and watching Pat Summitt's teams, watching Allen Houston, if you build it, they will come, is more like if you just perform well or give them something to cheer for, they will come out in big, bad numbers. And so uh, we've been able to kind of see that
10: come to life. So the dates, again, on those those trips – the one in Greenville, than the one down in Nashville.
14: Yeah, Greenville is October 22nd. We're not messing with the football Saturday. Wow. Uh, I believe we played Alabama the day before that. Okay. Uh, so October 22nd. And then November 5th in Nashville is another Sunday. Um, you know, those will be like 1 o'clock games, so people can either go to church or travel that morning. Yep. And those are 18-inning deals. So if you're busy, you oh, can You could come for the back half. You could come just for the front half. You could – the middle or stay for the whole thing. Uh, But I think it's great. I think Chase Dolander literally walked around the entire park after his outing because we still had a couple hours to play and shook hands and signed autographs. So it's it's a way to get
10: up and close and personal with our guys. And and, you do encourage those kids. You encourage your guys to –
14: During the fall games. They're not going to count on our record. So we want them to, yeah, go out in this home run derby. Some of our guys will probably float in the stands or, or, you know, be able to do some things they wouldn't be able to do on a normal game day. Even though on game day, I I think our kids do a really good job of separating the intensity of what they're doing on the field and then,
10: you know, being a part of the community. Bino said he wants to come over. We were talking off the air. He wants to come over tomorrow and pitch a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, he, I'm Bino, de- Bino back in his day right here. Bino could, yeah, I know. He could groove it. He could groove it in his pitching days. I, I It don't comes know. naturally to him.
14: I, I don't know who we'll let him throw to. I know Hot Sauce wants to come over and take some See? swings, so maybe those two can be uh, a home run derby
10: battery. Speaking of uh, Holtzman and Hot Sauce, talk to me. Anna Sonia tomorrow, uh, huge bout against Sean Strickland that's like morning MMA. You'll be watching that before your home run derby. That's going, that's crazy, morning, a morning card. But uh, who do you like tomorrow yeah, on it's the way down, out here? It,
14: it's down in Aussie land. And I, first of all, in the co-main, I want to see a shoey. Our guy, Tuovasa, yes. became a superstar because he slammed a beer out of a shoe. But he's lost, I think, his last three fights. He so has. We need that guy to get a win. That dude's got some funky body art, too. Yeah, he does. Uh, tats all over the place. But yes. um, in, the, in the main... When you play defense in basketball, soccer, any sport, it starts with your feet. Um, baseball, Adesanya's feet knew and lower right. half are yeah. so much better than Strickland's. Yeah. Uh, but I hope it's a dogfight, and I hope Strickland can get to
10: him a little bit. Speaking of defense, T, who's our shortstop? I want to whisper it whispered in my ear right now. The best part about this year's team, open warfare. Oh, Tony. Open
14: warfare. Tony, who's come, our short Tony? If you, if you show up early to the home run derby tomorrow, you'll see guys moving all over that infield. Uh, you got some older guys that want to be the guy. You got some new guys that turned down the draft to be the guy. Our fall World Series will be the last thing we do, so yeah. if you can't come to those games, the November 9th, 10th, 11th weekend. That will be our Fall World Series. I'm looking forward to that more than anything. It's going to be – last year's
10: Fall World Series stunk. This year we're going to have two teams that will be very, very competitive. Hey, John Adams, I tried to match this guy whim for whim, wit for wit today. I mean, how do you keep up with Tony Balls? The guy's a tour de force. I thought it was very close, but when
9: he had the uh, departed reference with yes. Leo, yes. I think it kind of shifted the game in his favor. You're, it was close, though.
14: Thank you. I appreciate that. When you mentioned Leo, you automatically involve the female audience. So I uh, tried to, tried to.
10: I- interesting, Tony, you try to involve the female female audience. It was just a joke. Well, I've never, Tony, I've never seen anything like when you come out here and this place is jam-packed, like, uh, you know, in a couple weeks and we're out here. I've never seen the the way they flock up here. I'm like, how do I get that kind I asked Bino, I said, can I get that kind of reaction? He goes, no.
14: no.
10: <laughs> They're you know, used to we're, you, no. you've, you've
14: been here longer. You're more tenured. Uh,
10: we, st- we still got a little bit of the freshness to us over there at baseball. AT, thanks, man. Thank good, luck- good luck to you. Tony Valls. one more time. I thank him. We come back on the other side. The guy is so next level. Uh, hour number two, live today at Calhoun's on the River after this. Spread the word and get the app
4: at tonybasilio.com for Androids and iPhones.
5: Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224.
9: Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Come see us Saturday, September 9th, and let your first cookout be on us. With the purchase of any grill, you will receive an Omaha Steaks voucher for 12 steak burgers and 12 beef francs free. We also will have hamburgers for the first 100 customers between
4: 11 and 2 until we run out. Come see us Saturday, September 9th at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is
13: the
8: You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR playoffs weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. Jim Ross, and you are listening
2: to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
10: Tony be back with you, live at Calhoun's on the River, where we be. It is absolutely outstanding. Tony Valls was crazy good, crazy fun. Um, and, John, what did you make of him discussing Josh Heipel? the quick success they've had, I see similarities there. They took the same rosters, basically, and won big with them. Well, I
9: think one thing's true with both those guys. Uh, their egos don't get in the way of their coaching. They take their coaching and their team, the program, very seriously. They don't take themselves that seriously. And... Uh, while listening to him and talking about the attributes of Josh Heupel and, and how much he appreciated what Josh Heupel had done, uh, I think Tony could hire a coach. If if I were, you know, if Tennessee had a coaching search for any for any sport, I would uh, ask uh, Tony Vitello to come in on that and take part. I think he's a good judge of people and the way he was talking about coaches. Even though we're talking about completely different sports, he he had insight to what coaches do and why people are successful. I'd have him on the search committee. I, I've never thought of that, but that's fantastic. You're exactly right.
7: You're exactly right. It wouldn't matter what sport was. wouldn't matter because he knows
9: what it takes. He Well, you know, he wouldn't have hired Jeremy Pruitt.
10: Uh, no, and that's the point. No, <laughs> <laughs>
9: he wouldn't our Jeremy It's I, really that's like. a
10: great point. I mean, he a guy like <laughs> that would keep you out of the weeds because people will get on me. People got on me the other day for having the uh, soccer coach on. It's false sport. I'm gonna celebrate what those gals are doing. I'm gonna do it. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Go go do your thing. Tony Vols. People get on me for bringing him on here. You know, during the football season, and I'm gonna tell you right now. This guy sitting next to me thinks he started the fire that's burning on that campus right now.
7: Yeah, I do. I believe that.
10: But people are going – I'll get emails, Bino, from people saying, what are you doing? But
9: You could – yeah, well, that's small-minded. I mean, if you listen to the content and what he was saying, it applied. You ask him about Josh Heifel. He has insight into Josh Heifel tony's been around he knows it doesn't work this way at every program and it used to be that's a great point john it used to be even worse than it is now yeah because i grew up with sec sports and with sec football and i can remember when i was a student at lsu and baseball season was getting ready to start and I, i was uh doing a uh i was working for the school paper so i was assigned to do a preview of the baseball season yeah so the baseball coach was jim smith baseball coach but his main job was equipment manager with the football team so i rode around with him in a pickup truck while he was taking care of some uh i don't remember what all it was but equipment he was checking on equipment and going to different places campus. And I wrote a story on him. But that's the way it was. And
10: it, it was basketball was not prominent either, well, except in Kentucky. You know, John, when Tony first got the job here, I was telling you guys off the air, I'm going to say it on the air now, but he said, Heipel walks up to him and says, anything you need for me, I'm here. And he was like, okay. Well, but, I mean, but he didn't believe him. But Josh Heipel anything that they need in these other sports he's there like literally he's taken ownership versus before which is don't look at me when i'm in the hallway with you and and, and, and listen he knew i was cracking on butch jones when when i did my little but and he kind of he took a little side dig there and the truth about a guy like butch jones is is that a wise man once said, leopards don't change their spots. I'm convinced you could set the table for Butch Jones and he couldn't win. He couldn't. If You gave him all the ingredients. He couldn't cook the meal. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. And watching him and seeing what he did this week, Bino, why would you reach out to the Tennessee fans and smite them? I mean, and then say, well, I don't hear the noise. Who
7: does that, Bino? No, I mean, Tony, it was, it was obvious from early on in his tenure that's just a real, really, really insecure guy. He
9: was, he was very insecure, and uh, low intellect. Uh, that's a great line. I, I mean, that's I mean, just low that's intellect. just what it was. And yeah. uh, you see, you could learn. A football coach could learn things from talking to Tony Vitello, uh, the LSU football coach Brian Kelly. Could learn something from talking to Kim Mulkey. You, you know, don't look at these people and what they. You talk about Josh Heupel saying, "What can I do for you?" Yeah, which is which is really nice on his part, but it, it works the other way too, where if I were a football coach, I could sit down. I would sit down and talk to, to- Tony Vitello, and get a perhaps a different a different perspective yeah. again. Because you brought up, Butch Jones, one of the key factors in any sport, softball, football, baseball, soccer, volleyball, for a coach is to get inspired players that they want to win for you, that they care so much about you, they don't want to let you down.
10: John, the truth is we gig the establishment on here. We do. Okay. And you down through the years of gig, like we gig the establishment, part of the deal. I'll say this. In my time of being here, and I'll let you speak for yourself, I don't ever remember a time where you have that kind of harmony among those coaches on that campus the way you do right now. I remember back in the day the jealousy over the lady of all success, which was a very real and palpable thing, and there was a division there, a chasm there. I don't sense that exists anymore. I I don't sense... Uh, you know what Brian I forgot that we have Graham Hall I just totally forgot Brian I'm so sorry Graham Hall with my Gainesville son now joins us Graham I am so sorry I apologize for that let's bring him in Graham my apologies my sincere and John Adams and Bino will tell you I'm a lot of things but I'm not your detail guy Graham my apologies please say I'm forgiven or hang the phone up and never talk to us again it's your choice (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely.
15: You're forgiven. Not a problem. I appreciate being here. It was good listening to you guys and uh, talk about, you know, these coaches up there your way, you know, because we, I think, be a little bit too focused on what's going on down here. And in year two of Billy Napier, you know, it, it is good to keep it in perspective that Josh Heifel, what he did in year two. I mean, that's the part of why expectations down here are so amplified in year two for Billy Napier.
10: Graham Hall joining us, Gainesville son, uh, who we love. Um, I- I'll tell you this, Graham, and you're you're a very bright guy, but even a a literal genius like me, okay, and that we use that term loosely around me for, for myself, my intellect, but this guy is in big trouble. I, I was talking with one of your cohorts <clears throat> from Kevin Brockaway who told me he said he said T you can go to you this before the game last week. You can go up there and lose whatever. But you gotta go up there and lose looking like you're like you've got something. You can't go up there and just not look good in the process. From your perspective, what did Florida do? Because this is officially the beginning of our Florida pregame show now. I'm I'm announcing it to the world. Eight days out. You know, I don't want to offend anybody here. This is officially the beginning with Graham Hall coming on here from the Gainesville Sun of our Florida pregame show. Eight days out. Yes, we have a game to play tomorrow. God bless America. Graham, did Florida accomplish that, or do they leave that thing with more questions than answers?
15: Yeah, you know, I think for you guys up there, you can kind of afford to look ahead a little bit right now. Florida has to kind of go out there and make sure that they – Tune some things up with all these young players that are on the roster and, and new pieces on offense and an offensive line that is not at its best right now. A lot of new guys, a lot of inexperienced guys, and your veteran uh, Kingsley Watkins, who started every game for the last two years, he misses that Utah game, and I think that led to a lot of just kind of unraveling with Florida. Right, you get no running game really, against a really good Utah front, right, but no running game when Florida had two backs last season return that combined for, what, over 1,400, 1,500 yards last season in Montreal, Johnson, and Trevor ETN. Those guys were completely held in check. You, I mean, Graham Mertz, I think a lot of people spent eight months kind of dogging Florida's decision to take Graham Mertz and saying, oh, I mean, you know, a lot of promising returning players for Florida, a lot of new pieces, yeah, and but then they take Graham Mertz, kind of a head-scratching decision, right? But you see in that game, Graham Mertz was, was not really the problem. I mean, the guy consistently got hit, got back up, completed 70% of his passes, uh, you know, career-high passing yards for him. I thought he looked really good. I mean, if they could just get a run game around him, and then, you know, you, like I said, no center there for Florida. So you have all these miscues, really detrimental ones on, on fourth down, They have special teams errors. I don't blame anyone for thinking that the team looks wholly unprepared, right? But I do think that the context of it is pretty interesting because some of those root causes of those issues could be null and void when Tennessee comes in here, right? Because you're expected that you're going to get Kingsley back uh, after this McNeese game from that ankle sprain um, that he's been dealing with that's had him in a walking boot. You're going to get the younger players a lot more experience this week against a pretty interesting air raid type offense, an FCS team, but you know one that just put up 34 points. I know, and you're a Florida team that you know can't really take I think anyone lightly right now. Even if Graham Mertz comes out there and just plays a quarter, a quarter and a half right now, this is a Florida team that would be behooved right to get their offense some momentum, get in the groove, get those young defensive players, the new additions, some more experience. 14 freshmen played in that game, true freshmen played in that game, against the youth, and then eight transfers played in that game as well. That's 22 players in their first year with the program. They may just need some time because, yeah, like you guys said, they did look unprepared, but a lot of it kind of makes sense when you boil it down, right?
10: Beano, Jeff, jump in here with Graham Hall. Gainesville Sun, nice enough to join us today. Graham, we apologize
7: again. Uh, we're we're going to blame it on the new timing rules, college football. Vino uh, gets very wordy. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Graham, as a Tennessee fan, and we've made numerous coaching changes, every time we make one, I find myself looking for things in the new coach to give me hope. What in the early stages of Billy Napier gives Florida fans hope that he's the guy. What a great question!
15: That's a, that is a good question. Absolutely. First, I got to say, not to correct anyone, I am. If you want to read my work, I'm at two four seven sports right now instead of at the Gainesville Sun. Kevin, Brockway, thank you. Now a Gainesville Sun team. So thank you. Work there as well. But, you know, there are a couple things I think when you see from Billy Napier that may give you some faith. Uh, I'll give you a few intangibles. Just the guy is steady in his approach, and I'm going to use a little coach speak here. So. Try not to groan too hard at me out there. Roll your eyes. But I think the guy doesn't waver. I mean, he seems extremely confident because he is in the process. And I know he did it in another place, Louisiana. And it's taken much of the same formula. So he's not really shaking up too much of what made him successful there. And I think he also understands that we're in a really kind of still a wild, wild west type era with the transfer portal, NIL. You really got to rebuild your rosters year to year in multiple ways, right? And I think that what he inherited, not to throw anyone under the bus, was maybe a little bit worse off than some of the other programs out there. That's what makes comparing rebuild so difficult because you got to look at what remained and what happened. I mean, Florida's still kind of changing things over from the Dan Mullen era, right? And I think that is absolutely a factor, and he understands that, but he's not going to use that as an excuse. But the biggest one that we can all point to right is recruiting right now. I've said this time and time again that a lot of what is happening this season for Florida, it's, you know, fans are obviously interested and it does matter. Don't get me wrong. But you look at Florida having the number three recruiting class in the nation right now. You look back to last year, they didn't lose anyone that they had kept in the fold outside of Jaden Rashada, which is well publicized by this point. They still, if they can retain everyone in this class, even if they go, you know, five and seven guys, six and six, they bring in all this talent next year, hit the portal again. I think that is when Billy Napier's, what he's built here in two years, has a chance to be successful because you look at the schedule, you look at the factors they're dealing with right now, the unproven players, the amount of good teams right now in the SEC East, especially guys, can you remember the conference? I think being this deep in a sense. I know that, no offense to Missouri and Vanderbilt, but they, you know, gave Florida a game last year, especially Vanderbilt, who beat the Gators. So I'm not going to sit out here and say that any of those teams are easy wins for Florida right now. And you look at next year's schedule, playing 11 Power 5 teams for the Gators. The pressure is going to be on sooner than later for this team to be a contender. I just don't know if it's possible this season – this is still a growth year for Billy Napier, and I think he understands that. And to see him not have lost that confidence and to continue moving forward, I think has to give you a lot of belief that, okay, this this guy is confident. This thing's going to get worked out. He's recruiting his butt off, and people are buying into his system. And already the quarterback that he brought in last year – in Graham Mertz, I think looks is starting to already prove. I think some of the doubters wrong with that. after one performance, they can get a lot of the other things right around him. This could be a team that does still surprise some people because been a long season, guys.
10: Oh, there's no. It is a long season, and the one thing we all do as media in college football is we all overreact to everything. So that's all part of it, you know, and that's kind of baked into the deal with college football. Now, Bino and I have been going back and forth here. I don't think Florida has enough team, per se, right now. When I look at that offensive line, those issues and what's going on, to stay on the field with the balls. I mean, I just don't. I think Tennessee's going to score a bunch of points and, and and you know, Josh Heupel and what they're doing and kind of ahead of the game. And, and Bino and I have kind of gone back and forth uh, on this. He thinks Florida has one of those classic Florida games in them. With Tennessee, where they can drag Tennessee into the ball. well, I'm not, I'm not going to. You speak for yourself here, Beano. Go ahead. No, Graham. I, 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 watched Florida the other, the other night, and
7: and uh, I, I know they've got some deficiencies, but my, my point has been, I do not expect Florida to be the mistake a minute team against Tennessee and Gainesville that we saw at Utah that circumvented everything that basically they were trying to do. I expect them to play the, us off their feet. I think we'll have to take the game. I don't think they're going to give it to us. Do you buy that, Graham,
10: what Bino's, uh selling?
15: I think that I wouldn't blame any Tennessee fans up there for thinking that the program may have a little curse when it comes to the Florida game. If Florida comes out and plays a clean game against the Vols after you know having those nine penalties and the self-inflicted wounds, That would definitely, I think, be demoralizing for Tennessee fans, absolutely, the program. I don't know if Florida has that in them right now, but that rivalry just always brings up something weird, right? I mean, I know that Tennessee fans don't look at it this way, but that game did technically come down to the final play, right, last year. And while Florida doesn't have maybe I think it's as dynamic of an athlete, at quarterback, they have a better game manager, and if they can run the football, The way that they did last season in that game, I do think it can be a game from that sense. If there are no self-inflicted wounds on Florida's part, I do think it could be a lot closer. But you guys are right that Tennessee is ahead right now in terms of where they are as a program, just the poise they have at quarterback with, you know, I've always been a big Joe Milton fan. I know that, you know, development's not linear and I think the guy is putting it all together right now and and all fans are going to reap the rewards of a, A long term development that is paying off right now. That is a better team right now in my eyes, but in this rivalry, really anything can happen. And I understand why falls would be thinking, Oh, this is, this would be, you know, just our luck. But I think it may be a little bit closer in terms of elements that to make both teams have a, a good contest in the fourth quarter. What really makes me question i think florida's ability to win games like that right now is that clock change rule you know go back like i said last season three games for florida came down to the final play or florida had a fourth quarter comeback we're seeing that you know every team lose a, a possession right now from that clock change rule yep. right how is that going to impact florida throughout the season they're going to need to score and maximize their opportunities when they have the ball and if they can't be shooting themselves in the foot because it matters more this season than it did, I think, arguably ever before in college football.
10: John Adams, jump in here with uh, Graham Hall. who has been doubly patient with me. Uh, his affiliation, his time. I mean, is there any other mistakes or guffaws I could make today, John, with this guy? I mean, maybe, maybe call him by the wrong name. No, I think he's been... Uh,
9: He's been very gracious about it, but I don't think he'll ever come on your show again. <laughs> uh, well, well, but go ahead, John. <laughs> go ahead, Graham. Uh, you talk about Billy Napier's recruiting, and that offers hope. It always does. But following uh, Florida for many years, uh, there's a pattern of an, another the coach who recruits well. Somebody else wins with his players. Uh, uh, You had Ron Zook uh, as a coach, and and he was replaced by Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer won a national championship in his second season. And, And Ron Zook's recruiting contributed a lot to that. I look at Florida's schedule next season, and you brought it up, and I just wonder if those recruits can help him fast enough. I don't think Florida Florida coach could survive three consecutive losing seasons and I think that's a very realistic possibility. What what do you think about that? It's
15: a good point. It's a it's I think a little bit of a complex situation here and I'm give me a, a second here. I'll give you my complete thoughts because I do think sometimes we get caught up in this whole coaching carousel typical timeline, right? of where things are at a program and think, you know, yeah, like you said, three losing seasons, that guy's got to be out the door. Right now I think it could be a little more complex just of how things are set up at Florida. Scott Strickland took over for a legendary athletic director in Jeremy Foley, right, who made Florida not just a football school, but really, uh, I mean, an everything school. Florida loves to use that mantra. You look at the amount of national championships the Florida Athletic Department has secured over the last, you know, two decades, it's very impressive. And you have a guy who hired Dan Mullen and now has hired Perfect. Billy Napier and in that time has had one or two, I think, maybe questionable hires in that time that now are no longer with the program. And that I think can make it so that the current coach gets a little bit more of a timeline to establish their program maybe through a third losing season into a fourth and by the end of the fourth it's not working out obviously clear that a parting of ways is probably imminent but i think that the timeline like i just said 11 power five teams next year where things stand right now you mentioned the cupboard being full when a new coach comes in with potential that's not the situation i think at florida not just a Throw like I said, Dan Mullen under the bus, but I think in this transfer portal era, with how Florida had recruited after things went so wrong in 2020, that this was not a situation where Billy Napier was going to come in and inherit all these future NFL players. Now there are guys who are playing in the NFL yep. currently, of course. You know Anthony Richardson, but last year's team was the guys who competed last year are mainly transfers who came in, right? Osiris Torrance, Montrell Johnson, Ricky Pearsall. Those guys were brought in through the transfer portal. So I think that is a sign that Florida really does not have too many young players on the roster that are now with the program from the Dan Mullen era that are contributing, and and that is absolutely a factor here, as well as Scott Strickland having invested in Billy Napier seven years, $50 million. If this thing doesn't work out for Billy Napier in the next couple of years, Scott Strickland knows, that I I believe he knows, it's going to hit his legacy, and I think he's going to factor that into some decision-making process when it comes to maybe moving on from Billy Napier, knowing that it could also spell uh, a hit necessarily to his tenure at Florida.
10: Hey, Graham, on the way out this weekend, what can we pay attention to? Look, both our schools are – playing these unfortunate whatever you want to call these things i i they're like borderline i don't even know what they are but i i just hope none of the kids on any of these teams get hurt in these games where you 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 know literally you could turn the ball over eight times and still win a football game against one of these opponents so that said what can tennessee fans look to and look at from this game to take away that florida has some growth
15: yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, absolutely. I think that there are going to be some interesting things. The first thing is, you know, McNeese, that Florida's playing, like I said, has this air raid offense. Uh, you know, Gary Goff, head coach of the McNeese Cowboys, came from that Mike Leach train at Valdosta State. And so you got an interesting offense right now that's going to be going against an entirely young Third level of the defense, right? Florida with five defensive backs out there. They had a guy transfer out yesterday, in Jadarius Perkins, who was competing to be the the star nickelback position for the Gators. And now you're looking like a true freshman is going to play a bigger role there alongside Jaden Hill, and you got a safety unit that's starting a, a true freshman as well in Jordan Castell. So this is a team that is looking to quickly develop their third level of their defense, the safeties. And, um, some of their young cornerbacks as well in guys like Devin Moore, who that is a, you know, a unit that is needs to grow up quickly. Let me just say, say that. And to face this Tennessee offense, this is going to be potentially a test for these guys to get some in game reps, put some things on film and, and grow before play, playing that Tennessee offense. You know, you just mentioned injuries and guys like Graham Mertz and, and hopefully I think Montreal Johnson, they're going to be. Only in there for the first half, but we also at Florida have seen a team struggle with guys like, you know, teams like Stanford and Furman and Georgia Southern and to the point where they give up 40, 50 points against this team and you have to have the starters play into the second half and it's not a uh, promising defeat whatsoever for you. Not a huge win for your program where you feel good about it going into a big game. So that's something Florida is going to look to avoid while also ensuring they're not putting their starting players in harm's way for too long because they're going to need them for the rest of the season here. So it is definitely a balancing act with getting some momentum for this Florida offense and improving those defensive young players, getting the offensive line some continuity while resting Kingsley a little bit longer to make sure he's fully healthy for the grind of the SEC season. It's an interesting balancing act this weekend for the Gators. That's what, in general, I would watch for how much do they have to use their starting players ahead of playing the Vols. If that game is close by halftime, that is, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm licking my chops because each play is a chance that your win um, chances increase, right? I, I hate to say that injuries, you know, could play into that, but they are part of the game necessarily. And, you know, Florida's hoping to rest their starters by halftime so that they can limit that happening before playing their SEC Eastern Division rival guys.
10: Hey, Graham Hall on the way out. Who wins the Texas-Alabama brawl for it all tomorrow, in your humble opinion? I got Alabama
15: winning, but I think in a close one. I was thinking 38-34. Boom! I, I think we're seeing some offense. I think that you'll see that Alabama offense hit its stride. I'm thinking kind of a shootout. The only thing that's going to limit that, right, is these clock change rules. But I think two often are going to score fast here, and it's going to be a game when we get over 7-4. <laughs> I hope it's not a 10-7 bunker, guys. I'll only say that.
10: Well, and you know what's a good point, John, is that these, this slate of um, competitive football games this weekend, this is where they're telling us that we're really going to notice the number of plays that are going to be missing from these games when you get in these closed ones, because then the strategy can come into play either way. Either Alabama could slow the game, whatever. This will be a nice litmus test, guys, this weekend. What do you all think? Graham brings up a good point. Yeah,
9: I agree. Uh, I didn't really notice the clock last week. In blowouts, you won't. Uh, yeah but it every day well. every game, well. every game I was watching was pretty much decided fairly early yep uh, but a team trying to make a comeback as Florida did last year against Tennessee uh, that's that may be a little less likely but I don't think it, it it totally overturns the card I think you know you're still going to see exciting finishes um. I just, I, I, it's hard for me to envision Billy Napier being successful. I just think everything's stacked against him. Uh, history at Florida, it's uh, turned over a lot of coaches. Style of play, Florida is always what it's been most successful. Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer. Even in a couple of years under Dan Mullen, it was high-scoring, high-flying offense. That's what those fans are accustomed to. He doesn't really play that game. It's uh, Even though it threw the ball a lot against Utah, and that was out of necessity, I just think all that stacked against him. And when I look at the 24 schedule, play Miami and Florida State in-state, and, and then you get into a uh rejuvenated sec i just think it's going to be really hard for him to last and for the ad scott strickland to last well hey graham
7: uh, i got one more i got one more quick thing that that john kind of spurred me to here are uh gator fans getting a little bit leery of what's going on in tallahassee
15: wow i i think that definitely adds to it a little bit absolutely i mean you look at you know fsu Georgia, Tennessee, being where they are right now as well, uh, it it definitely compounds, I think, some of the frustration, right, guys? I I think that if you are a Florida fan and and you're looking in your neighbor's backyard, you're a little bit jealous right now. But, you know, there are some fans, especially the ones who are plugged in every single day, especially on our site, swamp247.com. And if you're in the 247 network and you're following recruiting every single day, you are seeing, I think, the full picture of how hard a lot of these coaches are, are working. And that can, I think, reassure you a lot. Cause let me go back to, you know, the Jim McElwain, Dan Mullen era, you know, those, those coaches won a lot of games, right? And, and McElwain was recruiting well. Absolutely. But for Dan Mullen, I think that the recruiting fell off to such a point late that, that even the 10 win 9 win seasons were not reassuring to a majority of the fan base that he was going to be able to last long term right so even when the coach right now at Florida is going 5 and 6 6 and 6 you know in their first year uh first couple of years that that definitely you know some fans are going to be concerned about that but there is a, absolutely a massive portion of fans that look at the recruiting rankings look at how the transfers that have come in have already benefited the program. They trust the coaches' evaluation. Maybe they're a little bit still uncertain about the process and and missing out on some players. And, you know, NIL is a thing that's got to be figured out, absolutely. And Florida thinks they've got a good system in place now. But for a while, it definitely was, like I said, the wild, wild west. And that was not – Angel was not immune from that, right? So with all of that said, I think that there's a huge portion of the fans that look at the infrastructure right now, look at how the coach is recruiting, look at how things have stuck together, the transfers, and they have a lot of confidence still in the head coach that sooner rather than later, like I said, maybe not this season, maybe towards the end of this season, you're going to see some good progress and next year's offseason will be critical. But if he follows the same plan and doesn't waver, like I said, and, and goes out and evaluates well and lands good players who are going to play, I think Florida's going to be a program that continues to improve. But if you guys, to your point, are thinking that Florida right now is in a place to compete with Tennessee, I mean, I think a lot of would have to go right for Florida in that game, and it certainly could. But right now, Tennessee fans should feel like they are going to come in here and beat the Gators for 60 minutes of football. And uh, that's what makes it so fun to watch is because you guys both know that is not always what happens and that's why we got to actually see the game. And as fun as talking, it is, it's going to be a lot more fun to talk about how good that game was after next week, right?
10: Graham Hall, much love to you. Enjoy your college football weekend. It's unbelievable. Thanks for the patience, and I hope you have a great weekend, my friend. 247 Graham Hall, we thank him for uh, joining us. My friends at Zen Sports, as we're live today on the river, Calhoun's on the river, to be specific, to be honest to be exact with you before during and after the game the place to be make no mistake about it for all these tennessee home games the view that we have up here i said it last week i'll say it again i sheepishly will say that i get paid to be here today literally i would pay you to be here today because there is nothing like this in God's green earth and look at the turnout out here from the best fan base in America, Bean Star. Absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? Another great Friday of The best fan base in America, Beano. Easily. No contest. And so my friends at Zen Sports are doing something special. John, the game is seven. I just looked it up at Zen. I'm speaking, of course, of what game, John? What game is seven right now? Seven Alabama points. and Texas. You got it. The line is, line is holding. What
9: about that uh, Purdue-Virginia Tech line? I know Brian is curious about that. Well, Has it, we, it moved anymore? We've
10: got winners and losers at 1 o'clock coming up, presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And Clone did a couple of Brian Hartman imitations uh, in our uh, upcoming one of his uh, one of his lines that he picked was some game way off the beaten path, and he did it in Brian's voice, which might be one of the greatest things ever. But my friends at Zen Sports are doing the following. Look, I think Texas. I've been very good on these these Zen Sports predictions on the air. I'm two and zero on my plays. And and I think te- I think Texas is going to cover the spread tomorrow. I think they're going to win the game, but so, they're going to cover. I think you've cheated yourself. I believe you said yesterday you were three and 0
7: Now we've only had two weeks of football, but somehow you were three and i I'm o.
10: already counting this one. Oh, okay, I got this you. one's already in the bag, in you there. know. Oh, no question. Because that put in the bag that is stealing money from somebody tomorrow. I'd that's say a lot that's of right. points for that Texas team, John, against Jalen Milrow. I'm sorry. This is like an opening
9: game for Alabama. Forget last week. Yes. This is the game Nick Saban has been preparing for all offseason, I guarantee you. I think Texas will be in a world of trouble. They're going to get rolled? I just don't think they'll cover the spread. Wow. You How about think you, he Bino? didn't put in months of work for the Blue huh?
10: Raiders? How about you, Ben Huh? Where are you going? If you made
7: me play the game, Tony, I would yeah. take the points. Could uh yep.
9: Could we maybe get Graham back on the phone and uh talk point spread on that McNeese game? So, my friends my friend God be
7: There was one thing for sure. Graham wasn't hanging up. Didn't matter how when you went to him.
10: Damn, Beano. <laughs> my friends at Zen's I mean, we made the guy wait for like twenty minutes and then you're gonna crack on the guy for being wordy, Bino? Tony, I, I don't tell It's uh, a tough crowd
7: in here. I've I've never met a writer. That wouldn't say with ten thousand words what they could say with ten. <laughs>
10: <laughs> he's hugging John while he said that. Johnny's <laughs> lumping you in with Grandma.
9: No, I tough
10: crowd over there.
9: I could have done yeah. that. I could have done his uh,
10: his performance in about. Oh, I would say 100 words. <laughs> so, my friends at Zen Sports, now that we've just run a guest off, want to, rem- want to invite you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, they've got Tennessee tickets are giving away tomorrow. Here's the deal. If you use the promo code TNTony when you make the switch to Zen, and here's why you're going to make the switch. You're going to make the switch because they will give you cash back. Every bet you make, 3% back. Plus, when you put in the promo code TNTony, For the first 15 days, you're going to get 5% cash back into your account. That is not funny money. That is not points. That is cash you could withdraw. Tomorrow, the smart play is Texas catching seven on the road with Milrow. Go against John Adams. Go with Basilio. But when you put your promo code TAntoni in, You're going to become eligible. They will draw for two downstairs tickets tomorrow. They will transfer the tickets to the winning account tomorrow uh, before game time. You will get the tickets in the middle of the afternoon. They're doing the drawing. So if you've been wanting to make the um, change or wanting to see what Zen Sports does, now's the opportunity for you to go over there and check them out and I will remind you, ladies and germs. You can do that. Uh, you can download uh, for Apple users. You can find them in the um, uh, you can find them where you find all your uh, apps. And if you're a Google person like me, you go to their uh, website and download there. Your wallet is going to thank you later. Zensports.com. If you have a gambling problem, 800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be over uh, the age of 21 or 21 and over to bet in the state of Tennessee. And I will say that last night, one of our panelists on winners and losers put a, 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 um, a bet up or nominated a game that was so outlandish that I actually read that phone number to one of our panelists last night, Vino, <laughs> Live on the air. That did occur. Beautiful. So Billy Jarvis, I love you. Great Amen. to see you back on your feet, Billy yes, Jarvis. Sir. I meant to say that to you. Love you, brother. Beano, I'm getting me some I'm getting me some black and chicken bra. Me too, Tony. With v. some beans on the side. Me too. With some salad on the side. Doing salad on the side. You been a good boy? I'm being a good boy. Two weeks in a row. Very impressive. I'll change mold next week. I love him, beano says that. Uh, he gets on me because he's like, Tony, every once in a while you got to eat something that's bad for you. And I go, you know, uh, got to feed the monster every once in a while, Tony, every once and in a while. Change, the, change your oil, Change your earl, as they say in the trade. To the radio listener, we're about out of time. We're going to stay and do some overdrive, overtime. Uh, John, I would say that last hour, after Tony Vol showed up, it got away from us a little bit. Would you agree with that? Uh, You pretty much uh, let go of your show. So, uh, Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction tomorrow after the game uh, over at tclub.team and wherever you find us. Um, I want to thank my friends at Calhoun's and all our wonderful sponsors that allow us to do what we're doing. Um, Because truly, it is an absolute honor. It is a privilege. It is a blessing. It is... um, i I don't want to sound trite here but i have to pinch myself that i get to do this on college football uh weekends and around this great fan base and i I, you know it just never gets old it just never it just never ever ever gets old but we're gonna stay and do some tld logistics overdrive overtime And by the way all of our guests today appeared on the TLD Logistics Hotline online at TLDLogistics.com. The whole show today was like in the twilight zone. I got, I'm, I'm misidentifying people. Tony Vol- As soon as Tony Valls comes, I just melt. I just turn to, I don't know. Laura, don't be mad at me. I just, I just love, I just, look at Johnson. <laughs> okay, in the meantime, to the radio listener, I want to say we love you, we appreciate you. The conversation continues.
11: I've got our favorite grocer on the line, Mr. Miles Johnson. Miles, how you doing today?
10: Oh, I'm doing great. How
15: about yourself? Oh, I'm
11: doing fantastic. You've got some great deals. I'll tell you there's one that really piqued my interest at the uh, T Bone Steak Special. Yep, we got T Bone Steaks for four ninety nine a pound, eight pound bag potatoes, three ninety nine each, Lux Beans, five for five. And sun drop twelve packs, two for nine. Man, with the great weekend we got, the weather's gonna be absolutely gorgeous. You know, you can get yourself some charcoal there as well. And uh, go ahead and cook yourself up some steaks and potatoes on the grill. Man, nothing like that. So, Miles, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. You're located right there on West 7th Street. Uh, You'll have some great deals next week as well. So, you and the folks have a fantastic weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. All right. Once again, that's Miles Johnson from Foodland. Go check them out. they got some amazing, amazing things on sale. You'll have to
8: see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other, at a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR playoffs weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com.